Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. I am reading from the Gospel of Luke in chapter number 1, and I'm going to begin here with verse 28. I'm just going to read three verses here. Verse 28 of Luke chapter 1 says this, And having come in, the angel said to her, many of you are familiar with this part of the Christmas story, when the angel appeared to Mary. They having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, to me, I would be troubled at his appearance. (laughs) She was troubled by what he was saying to her because he called her a highly favored woman. Highly favored one, he said. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I want to talk to you today for just a few moments about this subject that I've entitled, Do You Know That You Are Highly Favored? Do you know that? Most people don't. Do they? Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your blessings, for the wonderful spirit of God that we feel here today. Surely the scriptures are true. You do indeed inhabit the praises of your people. And this praise that went up in this place this morning caused us to feel the wonderful touch of God. And I pray that you'll continue to touch our hearts, our ears, our understanding, touch my mouth, my lips, my tongue my heart, Lord, that I might express the burden and the thoughts that you've laid upon my heart to speak to this congregation today. Let your divine and perfect will be done, I pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Everyone said amen. Can we clap our hands one more time for Jesus to give him the glory and the honor and the praise that he's worthy of? Praise the Lord of hosts. Amen. Let me just say real quick, I am so looking forward to our Christmas Eve service this year. And again, I'm saying this because we're live streaming now. I want everybody to know at 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve, we're having our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be a wonderful time of feeling the presence of the Lord. Amen. All right, so let me just talk to you today about being highly favored because in order to realize that we are highly favored... You need to understand a little bit about Mary's background and Mary's surroundings because these are the very things that are often used to help us form our self-images and our self-opinions. Many of us do not see ourselves. In fact, if I were to ask today, how many of you consider yourself in God's eyes to be highly favored, probably you'd be reluctant to lift your hand and say, I'm highly favored. Because we don't feel that way, do we? Especially when you look around at other people, you think they're more favored than I am. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that today, but first we need to realize why Mary would consider 
what manner of a greeting this was because Mary lived in Nazareth. And Nazareth was not a nice place. It was not a good place. It was a city of about 15 to 20,000 people, small city. And it was located a little northeast, 70 miles or so northeast of Jerusalem, which is nothing for you and I, but in those days, that's a bit of a journey. Uh, It sat on a hill that overlooked what was referred to as the Roman road that traveled between the cities of Tyre and Sidon and Jerusalem. And so it was a stopover point for soldiers and Greek merchants that were traveling the road continually between Jerusalem and these cities. And... uh, Nazareth was a place that they would stop over, and it was a hotbed of corruption. As you can imagine, the types of people that were stopping in there and why they were stopping in and what they expected to do for the night before they began to finish their journey the next day. So there was a lot of corruption going on, a lot of, uh, revel, ra, ra, a lot of problems. Rabble raising, I think, is what I'm trying. Something along those. Ra- rabble rousers, is that what it is? That's a tongue t- twister right there. A lot of problem people. In fact, Nazareth had such a reputation that when Philip came to tell his brother they found the Messiah, Jesus from Nazareth, the question wasn't the Messiah after all these years. You're telling me he showed up now in my lifetime? No, that wasn't the question. The question was from Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth, let alone the Messiah? So that was the mindset of Nazareth and the image that people who lived in Nazareth had of the surrounding world much like the world we live in today. Our world is Nazareth. Our world, anywhere you go, you've entered Nazareth (laughs) with the rabble rousing. They say it right? We live in a corrupt world. This world around us is corrupt. If you want to bring that down closer to home, we live in a corrupt country. I love the USA, but it's corrupt. Not only do we live in a corrupt country, but if you want to bring that down closer to home, our state is corrupt. New York State is corrupt. And it wouldn't matter what state I was preaching in today, I could say that about that state too. And in New York State, we live in Schenectady, and Schenectady is corrupt. I'm not saying everybody in government is corrupt. I'm saying government is corrupt. I'm not saying there aren't good people. I'm saying it's corrupt. We live in a corrupt society. The entire world around us is corrupt. The ways of this world, the thoughts of this world, and the mindset of this world is not pleasing to God. Period. It is not pleasing to God. And that's why James, when he wrote his epistle, even back 2,000 years ago, and it's only gotten worse since, James said in the very first chapter of his epistle that pure and undefiled religion before God includes you keeping yourself 
unspotted from this world. Quiet in here. Can I preach about being unspotted from this world for a minute? James said in his very first chapter before he went any further that if you want pure and undefiled religion before God, you got to stay unspotted. Don't let this world taint your viewpoint. I came across this, so I threw it in my notes. I thought it pretty much describes what's happening in our day. It was the night before Christmas, and Santa's a wreck. How to live in a world that's politically correct. His workers no longer answer to elves. Vertically challenged, they're calling themselves. And labor conditions at the North Pole were alleged by the Union to stifle the soul. Four reindeer had vanished without much propriety, released to the wilds by the Humane Society. And equal employment had made it quite clear that Santa had better not just use reindeer. So Dancer and Donner, Comet and Cupid, were replaced with four pigs. You can imagine how that was stupid. The runners had been removed from his sleigh. The ruts they left were were termed dangerous by the EPA. The people had started to call for the cops when they heard sled noises on their rooftops. Secondhand smoke from his pipe had his workers quite frightened, and his fur-trimmed red suit was called unenlightened. And to show you the strangeness of life's ebbs and flows, Rudolph was suing, suing over unauthorized use of his nose. And he had gone on Geraldo in front of the nation demanding millions in overdue compensation. So half of the reindeer were gone, and his wife, who suddenly said she'd had enough of this life, joined a self-help group, packed and left in a whiz, demanding that now her title was Ms. That's the end. That's the end. (laughs) It's just a joke, folks. But our world around us is a mess. Our world around us is corrupt. And everybody's got an issue. And everybody's got a problem. And everybody doesn't like somebody. And this group doesn't like that group. And that group doesn't like them in return. And this hate group hates that hate group. And on and on it goes until there is so much strife and turmoil in our world. Current societal evolution has no bearing on God or God's kingdom. No bearing. Societal evolution does not change the fact that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. The times, they are a-changing. 
Heaven is not changing. Jesus is the same today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. Aren't you glad you've got that kind of a solid foundation? <laughs> Praise God. Now back to Mary for a moment, because Mary was highly favored of the Lord. I'm here to tell you that what caused Mary to be highly favored of God 2,000 years ago will still cause you to be highly favored by God today. It has not changed. The things that God considered highly favorable 2,000 years ago, He still thinks are highly favorable today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible tells us to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Listen to me for a moment. You are not highly favored because you are perfect. Mary wasn't perfect. How many have sinned? Oh, I'm, not, I'm not asking for a show of hands. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> what, is it, what does the Bible say how many have sinned? All. So see, these guys raised their hands. We all should have. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You are not favored by God because you're so good. And you are not favored by God because you never do anything wrong. There's got to be something else that causes us to be favored by God. You don't do everything correctly, and you are not favored by God because you're so smart, and you're not favored by God for any other reason. You are highly favored by God because He gave you His righteousness. That's why you're favored by God. He took off my robe of unrighteousness and clothed me with his righteousness, and I am not favored by God by my own account. I am favored by God because I am his. That's why we're favored by God. Listen to what Isaiah said in chapter 54. No weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Aren't you glad you're a servant of God? What a heritage you have. Every weapon formed against... That's not what I'm preaching about today. Maybe that's another message. I'm preaching about this last part that says, and their righteousness, their righteousness is from me, saith the Lord. Their, your righteousness is not from you. Your righteousness is from Him. And when He robes me and clothes me with His righteousness, I am now highly favored in the eyes of God. You need His righteousness on you. And if you don't have it, you can get it. You can get it right in that baptismal tank. You can have your sins washed away and be clothed with the righteousness of Almighty God by being baptized in the name of the one who died for you. What's his name? Say it again. I've been baptized in his name. I've been filled with his spirit. I don't look to my good or my, my abilities to judge whether I'm righteous or not or whether I'm, I'm deemed acceptable or not. My righteousness is of God. He clothed me with his spirit. 
Praise God. And listen to this. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. My friend, when Jesus shows up to your house, and I'm not talking about your physical address. I'm talking about this house of your heart. When Jesus shows up to your house, do not shut the door on him because he said those that came to his own and they didn't receive him, but as many as did. I receive you, Jesus Knock on the door of my heart, I will open unto you. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And I will transfer my righteousness onto him. What a God we serve. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Jesus. You believe in his name, get baptized in his name. If you haven't been baptized in his name, let's take care of that. Let me try to wrap this up by saying this. You know, it's easy for us to um, define ourselves by various topics. Some of us define ourselves by our jobs. Well, I'm a teacher. I'm a scientist. I'm a whatever. I'm a laborer. I'm a plumber. I'm an electrician. I don't know. We define ourselves. We define ourselves by our skills. We sometimes define ourselves by our hobbies or our interests. We can uh, 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 define ourselves by our achievements. And unfortunately, we also define ourselves by our lack of achievements. Some people, feel, some people have defined themselves as worthless because they haven't accomplished that much. And so we use all of these means to define ourselves, but I'm here to tell you today that our value is not found in the office that we hold. It's not found in the awards that we've received. It's not even really found in our reputation. Our value is found in the fact that we were paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. We were purchased by his blood. I'm not a preacher. I'm a saint of Almighty God. You're not a plumber. You're a child of God. You're not a school teacher. You're a child of God. You're not a laborer. You're a child of God. You're not an engineer. You're a child of God. You're not a nurse. You're a child of God. You're not a loser. You're a child of God. The problem is, is that we live up to our own expectations. We live up to what we believe about ourselves. Some people live the very life they believe they're supposed to be living because that's what they believe about themselves. And so we live up to our expectations. If you believe you're no good, you will end up being no good. If you believe you are not loved by God, you will act like you're not loved by God. But if you believe that you are loved by God and that you are special in His eyes and that He cares so much about you that He would go to Calvary and die for you, then you will end up living with that self-image and realize, I must be highly favored. That He would die for me. 
Proverbs 23, verse 7, says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So I ask you again, do you know that you are highly favored? Do you know that? You're likely to live for God with a little more fervor if you understood how highly favored you were. You realize that? You're likely not to miss a prayer meeting as, as readily as you would or to skip your own personal prayer time or to not bother reading your Bible or to not bother coming to church or coming to church whenever you feel. You're, likely, you're more likely not to do those things if you believe that you are highly favored by that God. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Somebody needs to understand that about yourself today. That you are high. I can see it in some of your face. I'm not going to look right now, but I can see it in some of your faces. You're trying to convince yourself that you're highly favored. Because you know how you live. <laughs> you know the thoughts that go through your mind. You know the things you've done when no one was looking. You know the struggles you have. You know the brokenness you live with. Let me tell you something. So does Jesus. He still went to Calvary for you. You are still so highly favored that he laid down his life for you. You are still so highly favored that if you were the only one to ever receive this gift of salvation, he still would have gone to Calvary. You are highly favored. If you believe that, would you stand with me? Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, and if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 10.30 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you, and God bless.